I'll tell you what. Just the, the electronic stuff is, is great, but I think the devil uses it a lot to, to just mess you up. Um, when I, when I, I spent till like three o'clock last night making sure every little letter was just right. And on my, on my scroll here, my modern day scroll here, I, I, everything is perfect. And when I looked at what was going on, I thought this word is not where it's supposed to be. And I could have just freaked out, you know. But then I realized, hey, that's part of what it's all about. And um, how many of you have ever had somebody say, or at least probably think that, if you want to be a Christian, you have got to be out of your mind? Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I would dare say that probably a lot of people thought that and never really said it to us. But you know, um, as I was thinking about this, uh, this message, I just thought, you know, that's, that's really what it's all about. Um, and there's more truth to that than we realize. We just got to kind of think of it in the right perspective. And uh, you know, we, uh, I, I'm, I'm part of a, a jail ministry called REC, Residence Encounter Christ. And I always tell people it's the best REC I've ever been in. But um, one of the things that we've, we've done and learned uh, in that is that when somebody comes up to bring the word of God, that they have someone come and pray over them. And you know, I don't know anybody who is more out of his mind than Mike Savage. So Mike, would you come up and pray over me, please? <laughs> Because really, I, I, I say that in a good way, brother. <laughs> you know it. But would you, would you just pray over me that I'd be able to sense the Spirit of God working? You don't need that. Praise God. <laughs> oh, righteous Father. Mm. What an opportunity it is mm. when your word says to be ready in season and out of season. Mm -hmm. And Lord, your Holy Spirit is descending upon this body here right now. Yes. And Lord, we're totally dependent upon you, Lord, to speak to Don clearly, precisely, that your word will go out in such a supernatural way that hearts will be changed in an instant. Lord, because the power of the Holy Spirit is in this place, the doctors in the house there's healing in the house. There's revival in the house. Lord, the resurrection power is coming down upon Don and his congregation right now, Lord. Lord, that we will know that the Spirit has spoken. Lord, we're, we're relying totally and solely on you. So, Lord, whatever has leaked from Don from the time he left his home, fill him to overflowing once again. Pour him out, Lord. Drain him till the, till the needle says empty. And, Lord, we thank you for the filling of the hearts that are going to be running over, shouting, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. So, Lord, we turn this service over to you, Lord. And, Lord, we're going to do right now, Lord, I rebuke the enemy. Lord, any and, and every distraction to, to extinguish and rid because the enemy does not belong here. The glory of the Lord is in this place. So, Lord, let your glory be revealed and your name be made great at Cottage Hill. I lift this prayer up in the most precious above all names I can pray in. Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Thank you, my brother. Wow. That's, um, I appreciate that because it, it's really, it's, it's not what we can do. I mean, we can put in our efforts. We, we do what we can do. But then we've got to just say, God, it's in your hands in every situation. And that can free us so much. And uh, one of the things that I'm really excited about is that, wait a minute. What am I doing there? Oh, I went backwards, sorry. Um, today, I want us to think about what we think about. Because I really believe that that is the, the key place, the key area where uh, we, we win or lose a lot of spiritual battles. It's right in our mind. And um, that's, that's part of what, what we're, um, we just want to see and, and try to get some victories over. And so I, um, I'm looking forward to what, uh, what God has for us. But, 
you know, that idea of if you want to be a Christian, you've got to be out of your mind. Well, it's because God has some things to say about the way we think versus the way he thinks. And so I just want to start off with, with giving us God's perspective on things because it's so important for us to really understand and see what God's truth is. Because I want to go into the way the enemy uses the things that go on in our mind to keep us from enjoying and knowing and living out the abundant life that God has for us. And so God says in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, or nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So let's get kind of let these scriptures sink into our, our own minds, because I said that's where the, uh, the real battle goes. How about this one? We're, we probably learned this when we were three years old, most of us, or it's, maybe it's new to you. But in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Now, how many people want God to direct their paths? Okay, I hope everybody does, because I've gone down plenty of paths that I wish I never went down, and I wish I sought God's, God's leadership and God's direction. Here's from the New Testament. This is what God wants to do in our lives as believers. It says that we should be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want the will of God in my life. I had enough of my own will, and it brought me to the wrong places and really messed my life up big time. Finally, the Bible encourages us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? In other words, a lot of times what we like to do is tell God what we would like him to do, right? And most of our prayers are like, God, we, we would really like you to do this. It says, but we have the mind of Christ. You know, one of the things about the mind of Christ and that, that whole attitude that Jesus Christ had was, he said, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. And when we get saved, the spirit of Christ lives inside of us. And I, I don't know about you, but the first thing I, I wanted to do was I wanted to find out what God's plan was for my life once I got saved. When he came inside of me, I said, before then, I could care less about the will of God. It was all my will. But now that we have the mind of Christ, it should be, thy will be done, right? And so as we uh, go on, I'd, I'd like for us to think about, if we want to be a Christian, you have got to be out of your mind, okay? In a good sense. I mean, you just got to think of it in, the, in, a, in a good way. Let the world think that we're out of our minds. You know, when they, when they say, you know, you might, might run into a person, you're out of your mind being a Christian. Say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Here's a, here's a verse that really kind of spurred this whole, uh, this whole message on. And uh, as, as I was uh, in, in Pastor Jeff's Beyond You class, I remember God brought this back to my attention. And uh, it says, lest Satan should get an advantage over us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, you know what? I, I, when I got saved, it was like this amazing thing. I thought, God, I, this, this is awesome. I had been in church all my life. I'd gone to church and did, went through all the motions, went through all the rituals, and it didn't do a thing for me. And when I was at my lowest and I called out to God, 
And I just said, Lord, I, I, somebody shared the gospel with me that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again. And all I needed to do was say, God, please forgive my sin. I believe you died for my sins. Please come into my life and be my savior. And that moment he did, and it just so filled and thrilled my soul that I was just like, God, this is awesome. And I began to just soak in the word of God. I, I just couldn't get enough of it. And God saw that hunger and that desire in my heart. And he brought me to Bible school where I met my lovely wife, Lynn. And we, you know, that's a whole nother story. But uh, I'm just so grateful that God did that because it's just been such a blessing in my life. But, you know, he, he brought me into ministry and, uh, you know, I just, I, I knew the word of God. I graduated the, the, uh, the, the, whatever, the valedictorian of my class. I was just like, I was on fire for the Lord. And I remember going through the Bible one day and uh, uh, just kind of reading through. I got to this verse. It's unless Satan should get an advantage of us. But we are not ignorant of his devices. And I say, okay, you know, he's a, a dirty, rotten guy. I, I know all his devices. And I moved on. And the Holy Spirit kind of stopped me. And he said, okay. What are his devices? I said, well, yeah, you know, he's, he's just a dirty, rotten, I can't stand that guy, you know. Holy Spirit said, why don't you take a little time and see what I'm saying there. Why don't you find out what the devil's devices are? So I said, oh, okay, Lord. You know, one of the things that kind of God had to pull out of my soul was this pride, like, I, I got all this down. I've read the Bible a time or two. You know, I got... <laughs> Nobody can tell me anything. You know, I got it all down. Well, God was just kind of saying, yeah, you, know, you don't really know everything like you ought to. And I'd like you to understand the way the enemy is trying to destroy your life. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That word devices, I think this is the old King James. I know it's, it's kind of archaic, but I, I, I just love it. I was born and raised spiritually on this uh, word, and, and this is the, the, uh, the word devices. It's a Greek word, it comes from the Greek word. The, the, the whole New Testament was written first in Greek, and we know that God used that language because it is so accurate. It, it brings out every little detail of every word that we, we need to understand, so that we, if we go back to the Greek, we can really get a fuller picture of what God is talking about. When sometimes in the translation into English, it's a little fuzzy. So anyways, that word devices that the devil used, it's the Greek word noema. And just the idea of a noema is a mental perception, a thought, an evil purpose, which is what was referred to back in that verse, or that which thinks, the mind, thoughts, or purposes. I like to think of it as a mindset. You know, we get these thought patterns going in our head. And they kind of determine what we're all about. The Bible says that as we think in our hearts, that's the way we are. So we've got to be careful to make sure that what we're thinking about is the thoughts that God would have us to think about and not the ones that the devil wants to throw into our heart and mind. So first of all, go back. That word noema is, is only used a few times in the New Testament. But every time it's used, it's interesting to find out how the devil is using that device. It's not always trans translated devices. A lot of times it's, it's translated mind or thoughts or something like that. So keep that in mind, that basically his devices are mindsets that he puts within us that kind of steer us in his direction rather than in God's direction. Here's the verse before, lest Satan taking advantage over us for we're not ignorant of his devices. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. What word pops out of the page on that one? Forgive, right? And so the next verse, Paul says, he's talking about forgiving someone. Apparently someone had said or done something that really offended the Apostle Paul and it offended a lot of other people in the church. And Paul says, you know, when, once I you know, dealt with this and I, I've, I've forgiven this person, and now I want you to forgive them. 
And then he goes on right afterwards, and he says to them, lest Satan get an advantage over us. You know, one of the devices of the devil is unforgiveness, okay? That's something that can really destroy a person's life. If, if you've got some sort of a, you know, when, when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, remember he said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, talking to God verse, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, all about, all about God's plan. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread, just Lord, give us what we need to survive and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Very important part of what we should be uh, dealing with on a regular basis is forgiveness. As a matter of fact, after he taught the disciples the Lord prayer, Lord's Prayer, Jesus made a special point of saying, look, if, if you don't forgive, there's going to be some pretty bad consequences. As a matter of fact, he says, if, if you don't forgive, you're in danger of not even being forgiven. And I think that that kind of translates into a believer's life. It's not that we aren't forgiven of our sins, but you know, there's consequences to unbelief or un unforgiveness. It's a, it's a bitter spirit that just, uh, it, it, it affects all of our relationships. Have you ever met a bitter person? Man, I tell you what, they're angry at everything. And so we've got to learn that this is one of the devices that Satan uses to uh, just keep us from being able to enjoy the abundant life. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundant. And if we're holding something against someone, boy, we're just, we're, we're destroying ourselves. And you just let that go. It's basically, you know, the idea of forgiveness is it just means to release it. It's not like we don't have to agree or say that what that person did or said was right. We just let God deal with it. God's a lot better at dealing with people about their issues than anybody else. So we just let it go. You know, the, you've heard the old saying, you know, to, to harbor bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart is like drinking poison and then hoping the other person dies. And that's basically what you're doing. So unforgiveness is one of those devices that Satan wants to have. And I, I say that first because it was right in the context of that, that uh, verse that talks about the devices of the enemy. And so the next one is given to us. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, but if our gospel is hid, it is hid from those who are lost. So the, the world is lost in sin. They're separated from God. And God is seeking to bring them back. But he says the way he does that is through the gospel, through sharing this good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for our sins, and just helping people to see the glorious truth of that. But the enemy says if we hide the gospel, we're hiding it from people that are lost. And this is the next verse. It says, in whom the God of this world, that's not talking about God the Father, that's talking about Satan, the God of this world, the God who controls this world right now, he has blinded the minds, that word minds, noema, mindset. Ever meet somebody who's in a mindset of unbelief? I'll tell you what, you could throw all the scripture at them and lovingly care for them and so on. And if they're just, if they're in the mindset that they're not going to believe, boy, I mean, there's, there's nothing you can do. It's, it breaks your heart. But you know, it's that mindset that Satan has kind of gotten into so many people in the world. Millions of people have that mindset of unbelief. And you know, you, I, I was in that mindset. And I'm sure probably most of you were at one point or another where, I don't want to hear about Jesus. You know, I want to go out and have a good time. I'll tell you what, before I was saved, my mindset, you know what the, the, the mindset that, that uh, the enemy got in my my little noggin here, it was like, you got to just go out and have a good time. You just got to go out and party it up. That's the, that's the life that's really out there. You know, I, I couldn't function. I, I really couldn't have a good time unless there were, it involved some sort of alcohol or some sort of drug, some sort of intoxicant that would make me feel like I was the king of the world. 
usually made me feel a lot worse than that after, after a while. But it was a mindset. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't enjoy myself unless it had to do with getting high or getting drunk or whatever. I could, I, it was like, you know, this is lame if it, was, if it didn't include those things. It was a mindset that Satan had me caught up in. I'm glad that someone was willing to come to me and share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He opened up my eyes, and it basically, it just happened one time. I, I, I've shared my testimony with some people. I, I was at a real low point. I mean, that life just brings you down. It really does. And I, I just, I was at such a low point in my life that I, I, I thought I was going to have a, a nervous breakdown. I really was. You know, all, all the things that I thought what life was supposed to be all about, it just came crashing down on me. I remember I hadn't, I hadn't um, slept in like three days. That's how just distraught I was. And I, I, I remember going home from work early in the afternoon one day. And I just, I, I, I laid down on my bed and I said, God... I need you. I think that was the first honest, sincere, heartfelt prayer that I ever prayed to the Lord. I fell asleep. And I woke up a couple hours later and the phone was ringing. I answered the phone. I was the only one home. And there's this person on the other end of the line saying, hey, have you ever thought that life wasn't the way it was supposed to be? I'm like, uh, did you ever think that God is, is a, should, should be more of a part of your life? And the guy, wow, Lord, I just asked you to help me. And all of a sudden, I get this phone call. God, well, you know, how many people get a phone call from God? <laughs> really? Whew. So I, this is God. I'm going for it. It was from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they told me all their beliefs, and they said that I needed to be baptized as a Mormon, and that I needed to become a missionary for the Mormon church for two years and do all these things. And, and I, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going for it. This is what God showed me to do. He gave me a phone call. And I went and I shared this with uh, this born-again guy that I worked with. I said, guess what, this Sunday I'm getting baptized. He looked me straight in the eye and said, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Huh? This is my big religious thing. I mean, I thought, this took a lot to, for me to get to this point. I wouldn't do that. What do you mean? He says, sit down with my pastor. There was a group of guys there that were known as the God Squad, where I worked. Right? They're known as the God Squad, okay? And, you know, everybody was like, they got to be out of their minds, you know? Um, but I, I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll go sit down. He went, he took the word of God, this pastor who worked there, and he, we just sat down. I remember I was working, at, it was in the lunchroom at UPS, and he took the Bible and he opened it up and he said, this is what the Mormons are teaching you, right? And... and Half a dozen doctrines he showed me that were totally refuted by the word of God. And the most important one was that they believe that Jesus Christ was a God, but not the God. They believe he was Satan's brother, actually. That's how, that's how deceptive he is. It was the wrong Jesus. It was the wrong gospel. And he handed me a tract on how to be born again. I took that home. And on that same bed that I cried out to God a few months earlier and asked him for help, I said, God, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe who you are, Jesus, and I believe you did that. And from that moment, the Holy Spirit came into me. I was born again. I had the Spirit of God just come in and fill my life and heart. And I was overwhelmed by it. Before that, my mind was blinded. I didn't believe but at that moment, the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, shined in my heart. And ever since then, I've just been so thrilled with it. I had to share it with people as much as I could. So Satan blinds the minds of people. 
Here's in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's talking about the children of Israel who were led out of, the, uh, the, of Egypt with, uh, with Moses. Many of them died in unbelief because they just, they, they saw all these huge things that God was doing. But it says their, their minds were blinded for until this day, many of the Jews, the same veil, see Moses put a veil over his head because he didn't want them to see his glory, this glory that God had put on it fading away. It says that veil is, is still over their eyes, but the veil is done away with in Christ. You know, that, that's in our life too. You know, when, the, when we get saved, the veil comes off, the, the blinders come off, and we can see Christ for who he is. We can see things for the way they really are, and what a blessing it is. But one of Satan's devices is spiritual blindness. And I hope that you'll be willing to let the Lord open your eyes today if, if that's the case, if maybe you've been blind by, by Satan, blinded by Satan. So that's another one of Satan's devices. Here's another use of the word noema. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And verse 4 says, the weapons of our spiritual warfare are not carnal. They're not physical, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. See, that's what the devil builds in our lives. He builds strongholds that keep us from God. And he says, casting down imaginations. Keep that word in mind. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. There's that word again, thought. Noema, mindset. Every mindset, God wants us to bring it into captivity to obedience to Christ. That's where the blessings are. And those imaginations that we have. I mean, wow, do we have imaginations? I mean, you talk to people about spiritual things. Wow, what crazy imaginations people have about God and spiritual things. I mean, sometimes you just shake your head and say, how can somebody believe that? When the truth is so easy, the truth about Jesus. But you know what happens? Sometimes we as believers start to let our imaginations kind of run away with us, don't we? We, we start thinking about things that just aren't true. And we allow them to, to become those thought patterns, those noemas in our own minds and hearts. And they really, um, they really damage us. Here, here's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He says, I fear, lest by any means the serpent, the devil, who beguiled or deceived Eve through his subtlety, so your minds, there's that word again, your mindsets, should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You see, he wants to complicate our lives as believers. He wants us to get us thinking about all kinds of wrong thoughts, wrong mindsets that we get into, um, and, and they just really hinder our lives, and they can really lead us down the wrong roads. And most importantly, they prevent us from entering into and enjoying the abundant life that Jesus said, I came to give it to you. I came to give you the most abundant life that you can possibly have. I want that. I don't want the devil to put this way of thinking in my mind that's going to keep me from that. I like to fish. Okay? I really do. I, I, man, you can ask my wife. She's got to keep me, keep me out of the canoe. But I use things like this that are designed to fool that fish into thinking, that's something good. I want that. That's going to make me full. That's going to make me satisfied. Here's what I'm looking for, okay? <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But how many times does the devil use things to tempt us? Oh, yeah, you know, this will lure you into, oh, boy, you know, well, this is going to be great. <laughs> That's usually where you wind up with stuff like that. You know, just these mindsets, these imaginations that, oh, you know, I just got to go out and party and it's going to be great. Well, you know, you usually wind up looking, at, looking down at the porcelain, you know, bowl there. 
How about this one? Oh boy, just just party it up, man. It'll be great. You, you'll just have such a great time. You'll be free. Doesn't tell you that usually a lot of times it'll lead to that and the destruction of your life. Boy, the devil sure wants to put this, oh, if I could just get more money. I just need more money. I'm more, more things. Oh, you know, if I could just get... How many people are chasing after money and, and leaving behind the most important, most valuable thing in life? There's one that we struggle with a lot of times, especially when we're young. Oh, I just want people to like me. I just want to be a popular person. I just want acceptance. And so we kind of compromise where we would be in, in Christ. Um, it's just one of those mindsets that we kind of get caught up in. And there, there's a million more men, but by no means is this a comprehensive study on the devices of the devil. I'm just kind of giving us some, some thoughts about this, some, some things to think about. And there's, there's plenty of others that the, that the enemy just puts in our minds to kind of distract us and pull us away from just the things that God would have us to, to be thinking about and the ways that, that he would have us to go. So another device of the devil, deceptive lies. We believe them many times, oh, you, I'm no good. I can't, I can't, I'm never, I'm never going to amount to anything. You know, so think about what you are thinking about. And many times you'll find that it's one of those deceptive lies. It's one of those imaginations that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that we've got to cast down and say, wait a minute, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God has promised me an abundant life. I don't have to settle for uh, just the, the lousy life that, the, Lord, that, that the, the enemy has planned out for me. Okay, so here's another one that I really I, I feel is, is important for us to, to consider because I think this really hinders our life so much. The fear of man brings a snare. Or just fear in itself can be paralyzing, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. God will take care of us. Fear is such a paralyzing thing. How many, how many things do we not do? How many steps of faith do we not take because we're fearful? Oh, what if this? What if that? What if... Newsflash. God will purposefully put us in situations that can create fear in our life. I mean, you read through the Bible, you're, you're going to find God putting his people into situations that, I always like to put it this way, if you want to, you can freak out. He gives us that option. You can freak out if you want to. How about this little scene? Okay, can you imagine what that must have been like? All the army of Israel were shaking in their boots with this guy would come out. I think it was 40 days. He would come out and say, come on, send somebody out. If they beat me, you guys win the whole deal. And the whole army for 40 days, they, they were like, oh, I don't want anything to do with it. You know, they were hiding behind trees and stuff. David comes along to bring his brothers some cheese and some stuff for, you know, because... They didn't have the uh, U.S. Army supplying all their needs any, you know, like they do today. David brings some, some supplies for his brothers. He hears this guy and says, who does that guy think he is? And so his faith overcame that fear. What would it have been like if David had to face this guy? <laughs> Just wouldn't have been quite as dramatic, would it? You know, David versus the pipsqueak. <laughs> you know, it just would not have been the same. <clears throat> How about this guy? You know, the Bible describes Daniel as one of the most godly people that has ever lived. He got thrown into a den of lions that hadn't been fed for a while, all because of the horrible crime of praying. Okay? That's a pretty fearful situation. It wouldn't have been quite the same if Daniel got thrown into a 
cage with these guys. You know? Daniel in the hamster cage isn't quite as exciting as Daniel in the, lob in the lion's den. You know? Even if you make him look mean, okay, they're just, <laughs> it's not the same, you know? Not quite as dramatic. It doesn't show the power of God that much. Okay, so. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples one day? He said, get in the boat and go over to the other side. I'll, I'll meet you. So they were in the will of God. Okay, I, Jesus, the Lord, he said, get in the boat, go over to the other side. We're a bunch of fishermen. We can handle this. We're gonna, they get out in the middle of the lake, which really, that's all it is. It's a, it's a, it's a five by 10 mile lake, but there's huge storms that can come up from all of the, all of the winds whipping up down in that area. And they were, they were freaking out. They, they were thinking they were going to drown. They thought, God, why, why would God send me into a storm? Didn't he know? Then he comes walking on the water towards them, and they all freak out. It's a ghost! You know, I always think of those Casper the, the ghost things where, you know, they, they finally realize it's a ghost. It's a ghost! You know, and they're all freaking out. So he... He gets to the boat, and, and even one time he says, you know, Peter, Lord, if it's you, call me to, to come out on you. And he, he stepped out on the water. That's a pretty good deal. I admire Peter for that. But when it was all said and done, he sat the guys down and said, why were you so fearful? Where was your faith? Don't let fear keep it. Now, I'm not saying that fear's not real, because I know it is. And there's a lot of situations that can develop fear. But when we, when we see that that fear is kind of taken over, don't let it take over. Just say, my God is bigger than whatever it is that's causing that fear. And I can trust him. Faith will overcome fear every time, if we allow it to. So one of those devices that Satan uses is fear. I think it really keeps us from being able to, to see God work in powerful ways when we, when we cower in fear. Can you imagine what the whole army of Israel must have said, oh, look what I missed out on. And this little boy, David, takes his sling and destroys the whole army of the Philistines with one shot. Wow. Don't let the devil use fear to keep you from taking steps of faith. I mean, God just, God's... God uses those situations to cause us to come to him. I always put it this way. It's God's way of keeping our nails short. Think about it. <laughs> but when you start feeling like you should bite your nails, just start praying. God will, God will see you through. Here's a big one. Jesus said this to the, the religious leaders the Pharisees he says you are not willing to come to me that you might have life unwillingness to change pride how often does that just keep us and stop us he talked to a bunch of people these people were supposed to be the ones that were closest to God where they were the leaders that were leading other people to God Jesus God himself standing right in front of them, doing all of these miracles. As a matter of fact, one of them came to Nicodemus by night and said, you've got to be from God. No one could do what you do if it weren't for God. So they knew, they knew this guy had some, the power of God, but they wouldn't change. They weren't willing to drop their traditions, their beliefs, their way of doing things follow him. I think there's an application even to the Christian life. Yes, we've been willing to give our life for eternity, but maybe there's some things that we need to consider that we would be willing to change here and now in order to have the life that God wants for us. There's a lot of things that maybe we need to kind of search our hearts and think, uh, maybe I need to be willing to get out of my comfort zone 
You know, we spend a lot of time making our comfort zone, don't we? Oh, but, and, and I'm not saying, it, I, I try to make my family as, as comfortable and provide for them and protect them. But you know what? God, God gave me a newsflash a while back. He said, Don, guess what? I'm not doing very much in your comfort zone. He's not. He's usually working outside of our comfort zone. And I remember a while back, um, this was a long time ago, I, I used to drive to work uh, down, down past the Ludlow Jail. And every time I would drive by that, it was like the Holy Spirit would say, I, I got something for you in there. See, get, get in there and, and, and get involved in the ministry there. And for like months, that's, that's not in my comfort zone, Lord. I don't want to go to jail. That's not, that's not my comfort zone. With these people that are criminals. So one day, God brought one of the white shirts, which is one of the higher-up officers in the jail, to my church. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. So uh, what do I need to do to get involved in ministry there? You know, it's, sometimes it takes us a little while to be willing to come out of our comfort zone and do what God shows us to do. God's patient. Well, he, he showed me the, the people to, to talk to, and I went in there and I said, okay, you know, I'm a minister. I'd like to be able to minister in the jails and so on. <clears throat> and uh, they said, okay, well, if you're a minister, then uh, you can sign up as the professional minister, and you can come in once or twice a year and, you know, bring a message. I said, well, you know, I, I kind of thought that God, God might have more than that for me, you know, than once or twice a year. And I said, oh, well, you know, you need to just become a rec volunteer. And go talk to John and Biddy. Remember that wonderful couple that was here a while back? And they'd been there for 30 years. And so I got involved in the rec ministry. And I, we go in for weekends. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, people, people look at me like, are you out of your mind? Oh, yeah. I'm out of my mind. All right. Um, but, you know, think of it this way. We get together with a group of people, 20 of us or so, who want to spend the weekend in jail. I mean, how could that not be a crazy group of people? I mean, you just got to have some fun with that. But anyway, it's such a blessing to see God's power at work. And what an open door that is that God says, God, God says, here, I'm opening this door to a, a government facility Go in and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. And what a blessing. I mean, you see, see people, these hardened guys, they just soften and they receive Christ and they become new creations in Christ. It's just amazing. They're willing to change. I had to be willing to change, to get out of my comfort zone, to get out of what I was doing and let God do something more powerful more wonderful in my life. One of Satan's devices is unwillingness to change. Don't be unwilling to change. Matter of fact, usually God's work in our lives involves change. Remember, uh, remember what, what God said to Abraham? He said, uh, Abraham, re remember that son that I promised you, Isaac? Remember how he was born supernaturally? It took 25 years to, to have it happen, and you, you, you made all kinds of crazy decisions in that, but you finally saw me come to bring it to pass. And uh, it's, it's the one that you truly love, Abraham. <clears throat> Abraham, uh, I want you to sacrifice him over in these hills over in, in uh, uh, Jerusalem. Take him over there and, and sacrifice him. Oh, wow. Even before that, Abraham had a pretty good life. I mean, he was a pretty powerful, pretty rich guy. God said to him, Abraham, I want you to leave where you're at and go where I show you. And when you do, I'll bless you. Can you imagine what Sarah must have been the first time Abraham 
laid that trip on her. <laughs> it's like, hey, honey, guess what? <clears throat> uh, I, I heard from God today. And you know what God said? What? He said, we're going we're gonna to leave here, and we're going to go, and God's going to bless it. Where are we going? I don't know. How, how are things going to work out? God says he's going to bless us, and we'll become a blessing. I mean, that's, that takes some faith. That takes some willingness to change. And I'll tell you what, if you really want to see God work in your life, say, God, I'm willing to change. I'm willing to change whatever you, uh, whatever you want to change in order for me to see you work in my life. Mindsets that keep us from enjoying the abundant life that God has for us. Don't let them. Don't let those devices of the devil keep you from enjoying that. There's one other time when that word is used in the New Testament, that word noema, that mindset. This time, God uses it. You know where it's found? Philippians chapter 6, or chapter 4. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious. Don't be worried about things. How often do we worry about things? How, how many times does God give us a little leeway to worry about things in that verse? How often does he say, okay, you can worry a little bit? He doesn't. Be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by what? Prayer. And supplication, that means, God, I need you to supply whatever I need. I need you to supply the, the spiritual strength that I need. I need you to supply the, the financial things that I need. I need you to supply whatever else I need for supplies. Bring it to God with thanksgiving. Oh, if we could learn that. If we could learn to just give thanks. Even in the tough situations, give thanks. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. There's that word again. It's going to create a mindset in you that says, I've got the peace of God. I've got the presence of God in my life. I've got all the promises of God working for me. That's the mindset that God wants us to have. He wants us to have a mind that is set on Jesus Christ, the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So God says, I want you to think about what you're thinking about. And when you start thinking about, when you, when you're, when you realize that there's some stinking thinking there, start thinking about the good things. Paul says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, so everything's are pure, so everything's are lovely, so everything's are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Let God renew your mind by thinking about the good things. Recognize the devices that the devil has and use the device that God gives us to give us that mindset of being obedient to Christ. <clears throat> this thing doesn't want to go anymore. So, I guess that's it. I had a couple of more things there, but I, I could freak out if I wanted to. But nevertheless, um, what God wants for us. Is there any more on there, guys? God wants us to think about what we think about. What would you rather have? Your mind or, next one, <laughs> the mind of Christ? <clears throat> you know, when we went to uh, the Holy Land, we get a chance to um, minister to these young children, these young Palestinian children. And the last time we went, we did a, a, a little vac vacation Bible school, and we, we put on it. The theme was, forgiveness makes me happy. And we used that little um, smiley face that Walmart has co-opted, you know, to, <clears throat> you know the, the big smiley face. And, you know, we had it on a tennis ball, we had it on balloons, we had it on big yellow beach balls and so on. What our hope was, 
was that every time those little kids see a smiley face, they'll remember forgiveness makes me happy. I hope the next time you use an emoji, you'll remember the devil has some devices that wants to hinder me, but God has the mind of Christ for me. Next time you see an emoji, think about the mind of Christ. Let the mind of Christ become more and more a part of your life. Is, there, is that it? Okay, I, listen to this song because you know what? Um, I, I've covered a lot of things, but sometimes there's some things that, that the devil will bring into our life that just could overwhelm us. But you know, what the devil means for evil, God can use for good. And I, before we end, I just want to encourage, if there's anybody here that maybe you, you just never made that initial step of just saying, God, I want you to be in my life. I want you to be my savior. Maybe it's all new to me. Hey, I, I encourage you, just, just be willing to come. We have people that'll come and, and pray with you. We'll have people up here at the, at the end of our service. Matter of fact, if the prayer team wants to come up, we can, we'll can. we have you ready. And, um, you know, it's simple. All you need to do is just, the Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord, believing him, believing his, his truth of what he's done for you, you can be saved, and we pray for that. And if you're here and you already know Jesus, many, most of us are, maybe there's some devices that the devil's used on you that have really messed you up. I pray that uh, you'll be able to just cast those down and get the device of God, that peace of God that passes all understanding, just flood your soul. So thank you, Father. Thank you for the love that you have shown to us. Thank you for helping us to see how the enemy just messes up our lives and steals and kills and destroys that which you want to bring forth in our lives. We pray that we would not allow him to have another inch, but Lord, that you would have full control. Lord, as we've sung these songs today, Lord, we surrender, we lay our lives down. Lord, may they not just be songs that we sing, may they be a reality that happens in our lives. So we thank you, Lord. I pray for your blessing upon each and every person. May God bless you and keep you. May you sense his face shining upon you. May you go forth in this world to be the light of the world, to let Jesus' life work and shine through you. And may others see that you are truly out of your mind. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right.